The topic that I would like to speak to you today has to do with the way we begin. <laughs> uh, sometimes we are not ready. Sometimes we are not prepared to do something in life. How many of you had an experience when you were not prepared to face something? All of us. You know. And what does it mean to be ready for something? What does it mean to be prepared? What's the definition or your definition of being prepared? It's when something will come, you are ready. It's when the thief comes at night and you are ready. But we are not ready for everything in life. Sometimes cancer strikes the family. Sometimes death comes. Sometimes good things happen to us, and we're just not ready, fully ready. How long does it take to get used to the idea that you're going to have a child? God could have made us biologically in such a way that maybe, you know, one month, and then you have a baby. But not we have nine months. And I was even not ready when <laughs> we went through, the, through this experience together with my wife. And uh, all our life, we're trying to be ready for something. How long we spent and how much we spent for our education to get ready for your job, for maybe skills that you need in life, even to speak. It's not something easy. You know, if you want to speak in a foreign language or just in language that your mother speaks and father, uh, there is a learning process. There is a process of acquiring skills. This man, John Wooden, I became the coach of UCLA in 1948. He led the Bruins to a record 10 national championships. And that's what he said. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Do we need preparations? Do we need to be ready for heaven? Lincoln said, that's the next one, if I have to chop a tree in six hours, so let me have, and he said, let me have just first four hours sharpening an axe. That makes sense. I like this next one. Colin Powell said, there are no secrets to success. It is a result of what? Preparation. Preparation and what else? And what else? And that's probably my next one, my favorite one. The best preparation in life for tomorrow is what? Doing your best today. today. 
And God said in the scripture that he will give us the strength and the words when we are going to be facing crisis in our lives. I'm not sure, I'm not an expert, but in Chinese I heard that the same sign or uh, the same letter uh, that means uh, crisis also means uh, opportunity. So in every crisis you may find, if you're positive enough, you may find an opportunity. So God wants us to be preparing or be ready for heaven. We spend a lot of time preparing for the same event every year. Which event is that you know we put the most probably in preparation? Christmas. Yeah. Uh, some of you maybe already started buying presents for your loved ones. Uh, we have decorations. We have food to prepare. We go to the uh, presentations in school, in theaters, in churches. If you have to run marathon, don't you think you have to be ready and prepared? We decorate for Christmas. We send cards. We bake. We are a present. Be prepared. And Jesus said to his disciples, um, go and prepare the room, prepare the meal for Passover. So that was done by disciples. Disciples went and prepared for Passover. Now we have John the Baptist here. John the Baptist prepared for Jesus Christ. He was preparing the way for Jesus Christ. And the preparation for Jesus' coming was repent and be baptized. Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Corinthians that we need to examine ourselves before the event. Be ready and prepared. Let man examine himself, and so let him eat of, of the bread and drink of that cup. I, I was um, raised in the Soviet Union, and over there, we had all the churches closed at some time in the 70s and 80s. But the government wanted to show a good face to the visitors, foreign visitors, and they would keep open one church in very big towns, in the capitals of the republics. So in Moscow, we had one church. In Kiev, where I grew up, we had only one church, one church building. All the other church, churches were closed by the government. And the Baptist church didn't even have a building, so they were renting from us. And we had very friendly relationship between the churches. And I had many friends in, in the Baptist church. 
And they kept asking me, would you attend the church? Would you please come? And one day I went to, to, to the service, and I remember this thing, strange thing. They didn't have a one person preparing for the sermon. They had elders who would stand up. They would open the Bible wherever they could open, and they would read from that place in the Bible couple verses, and of course the, they believed that the Holy Spirit would give the words to them for the congregation. And for three, five minutes, an elder would share his thoughts about the scripture. Then another elder would get up and do the same, and maybe four or five elders would get up, read the scripture wherever it's going to open up without any homework and preparation. And I was just amazed because I never seen it in an Adventist church. I do believe that preparation is the key for success. Preparation is very important. Self-examination. That's what we need to do in churches. We should not be looking at other people and examine them, but we need to examine ourselves. Sometimes uh, you drive on the road, you see a bumper sticker, and it has a Christian message. This one you probably have seen before. Jesus is coming, look busy. And there is a book by Dr. Len Sweet, and it's entitled Carpe Maniana. In other words, Seize Tomorrow. It's a great book for church leadership. It's in English, actually, but the title uh, is put in Latin or, I don't know, maybe Spanish. Seize tomorrow, Carpe Maniano. This is a very bizarre story. Happened in April 1988. A cameraman who was also a skydiver jumped from the plane and in nowadays, uh, the instructor who is behind the person actually has, has a camera either in the hand or in, on the wrist and taking a picture of you falling down if you wish to pay extra. But in those days, it was a person with a camera actually falling right beside the, the person who is skydiving with the instructor and taking a picture while the chute is opening up. So this man, an individual, he jumped from the plane, he took a videos of all the people that they, they jumped there, then he reached for his ripcord, and to his horror he realized that he forgotten to put on the chute, the parachute. This man was 35 years old, Ivan McGuire, and he was falling 10,500 feet to his death. And apparently he was not ready for diving. He was so excited that he really forgot to put his parachute. There is one single event, usually happens in one day, sometimes 
two, three days, maybe one week. In Jewish customs, it's seven days. And that's a part of our story, the parable of the ten virgins, it's called. But I would like to call it uh, ten bridesmaids. Because the, the ten individuals that were waiting for the bride, uh, for the groom, the, it was not the brides, but bridesmaids. So the friends of the bride. When you attend weddings, how many bridesmaids usually you see? One or two? Some weddings could have more, right? Um, so, in the United States, the average of bridesmaids on the wedding or during the wedding is 4.39. So if you've seen five bridesmaids, it's above the national average, and if you see four, it's below the national average. Nothing wrong with being below or above, but this family beat, beat all the records. This couple set world record with 126 bridesmaids in a wedding party. Sri Lankan couple, Ninsala and Nalin, they tied the knot and had a world record-breaking record ceremony. Here are some of the other shots from the same wedding. As you can see, they spent a lot of money uh, buying the dresses, I mean, doing the dresses and everything else, and uh, suits. That's probably not any of us would wish, <laughs> right? <laughs> now, that brings us to our parable. There were ten bridesmaids. Ten. That's above the average, of course. They were waiting for the bride, for the, for the groom to arrive. So what was the whole idea? The whole idea was this. It's based culturally and traditionally and what is happening even today in Israel and some other parts of the world. Usually the groom, the family of the groom, groom would have a wedding party, uh, ceremony. Uh, and celebration would be in the groom's house. So the groom comes at night and he leads the ceremony to the bride's house where the bridesmaids and the bride expecting him to come. They are ready. Uh, they, they are ready with the torches or lamps. And here are the, the example of some lamps. Some of them are quite pretty. Some of them could have been maybe even just torches. And they were lit up with the ability to stay as long as they would have an oil, the fuel for the light, for the flames. And so the, uh, the whole story is based on something very real. Uh, the groom 
for some reason, we don't know what happened, but he delayed. It could have happened because they were still negotiating um, between the families about the, the presents and the gifts that would be exchanged. It could have been anything else. We don't know. It's not the concern of the bridesmaids why the groom is delayed. But he was delayed almost until midnight. And during this time, the bridesmaids, and nothing is wrong with that, but they were falling asleep, all ten of them. And then they woke up just shortly before the uh, groom arrives, and five of them realize that they don't have enough oil. So they're asking the other five to share. But if you share, you would run out of the oil too. So they are called the foolish and the wise uh, bridesmaids. And the foolish ran out of the oil. And, and the wise suggested for them to go and to buy oil at that time, which is little bit ridiculous. Where do you buy oil at midnight? But apparently they, they could find an oil at that time. When they come back, it's too late. The groom arrived with announcement, and the bridesmaids, five of them, they had oil and torches, or torches. The lamps were working. And with the procession, they left the place. So when the five arrived, arrived those that were, didn't have an oil, it was too late. So that's the story. And, and the text uh, says, Therefore you must be ready for the Son of Man who is coming in unexpected hour. The parable of the ten bridesmaids. The ten bridesmaids in this story, it's Christ church. It's everyone who waits for Christ to come. It could be me, it could be you, it could be anyone in Christian churches. I believe that these people converted. If you go to Baptist church today, they believe in the idea that once you are saved, you are what? You are always saved. It means that you cannot lose your eternal life once you accept it. But in this story, the oil, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, both groups, they had it. It means that they are converted. They are expecting Jesus Christ. They just didn't have enough the Holy Spirit. They didn't have it until the end, when it counts. So the idea of this story is, get oil. Have it. Have an extra one. Be prepared. In um, 1996, 
uh, I returned from the studies uh, in the United States uh, on, in, at, from Andrews, and um, my brother at that time was getting married. And he went back from Russia where he lived to the Ukraine where my parents, because my parents wanted to organize for him the wedding. And the wedding happened in the evening. It was uh, 7 o'clock, and when we all came home to have reception in our home, we had this long table, I remember. We all sat down, and we forgot one thing, because, you know, the wedding is kind of, a lot is in the, on your minds. It's a little bit stressful. But at that time, the government was running out of everything, money, food, clothes. I mean, you would go to the store, and it's all empty. And they were running out of even energy. Um, so at certain time, the busiest time when people watch TV, they turn off the electricity for exactly one hour. It's, it's off, except the hospitals and the places where the government had to have the, 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 uh, uh, the electricity. So we are sitting. We just began to pray and we opened our eyes, and it was dark, completely dark. And they forgot to, they had the, the, um, uh, the candles, but it took us maybe five minutes. And in the darkness, when you sit by the table next to someone, it was also uh, no sound. Nobody was speaking. It was kind of scary. <laughs> and when the light came, when uh, the candles, it, it it was actually very romantic, uh, but um, memory is interesting uh, that that happened to us. So I believe that the point of the story is what you heard for the uh, uh, children's story in the very beginning. Let the light shine in this world. To me, God wants us to have a light for this world. And remember when he said to his disciples, you are the light. You is used in plural form. And the light is used in singular word. So what is the light to this world? It's Christ in us. It's one light for the whole world. But I believe that Christ can shine through each one of us in this world. God is love. God cares for each one of his children in this world. And we are supposed to shine with love and forgiveness and mercy to this dying world. So that people could be attracted to, not to us, but to Christ. They need to see Christ in us. And so I would like to invite you to sing just two verses of this great song that you probably remember way back when. And uh, we'll sing the first stanza and the last one. So this is the last and the first one. This little light of mine begins, you know, the first and the fourth one will be let it shine till Jesus comes. 
let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Thank you. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Father, Father in heaven, we are so grateful to you for your presence. We felt it. We felt the Holy Spirit coming into our hearts and minds and lives. Please bless us today in a special way. For the rest of the day, be with us. Give us your rich blessings. More than anything, we want to thank you for uh, the cross dying for us and giving us second chance in eternal life. Help us to be shining in this world, shining with your message and shining with the character of Jesus Christ. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.